0: Welcome to the Convergence Church Podcast. Our vision at Convergence is to encounter Jesus and transform cities with his power and his love. If you'd like more information about Convergence and how to plug in, you can visit convergencechurch.com. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy this message. This morning I want to kind of continue in our theme of radical faith that Andrew started off yesterday. And I want to talk Andrew last week talked about like what faith is and this week I want to talk about what our faith is in. Because I feel like sometimes as the body not just here at Convergence but the body of Christ in general sometimes we we take the faith and the things that we believe, and we, we stop at a knowledge level. But there's a place for our hearts to actually interact with the Lord in the place of faith with what's true. Does that make sense? It's beyond, it's true, but things that are true, you like interact with. And, and even, I don't know, I was just thinking, I, I felt to just touch on this as we had baptisms today. In Exodus 14, we see something like super, super crazy. So Exodus 12 is the Passover, right? So most of us probably know the story of the Passover. The Lord leads his people out of Egypt. They've been enslaved to the Egyptians for how long? 400 years. So they've been enslaved. Literally, the superpower of the world, which was Egypt at the time, has enslaved them, and they're like treated like worse than dirt and the Lord sets them free from Egypt which is like crazy like can you imagine this can you imagine like the superpower of the world you going from their slave to now you're like walking free not only are you walking free you're actually walking free with their like gold and silver and fabrics which is kind of wild there's that there's that verse in there that's like ask your neighbor of priced things and they'll give it to you that's kind of crazy I think sometimes we forget that, but now they get to the Red Sea, so the Lord just performed all these miracles for them. They get to the Red Sea, and, and here in Exodus 14, verse 11, the people said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die here in the wilderness? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this wilderness. The Israelites, they knew what was true. They knew that the Lord had just delivered them, but they didn't know the Lord that delivered them. Does that make sense? They knew his works, but not his ways. That's what he says in Hebrews 3. It talks about that. The Lord actually says in Hebrews 3, it's referencing, I believe, Psalm 93, 95, maybe. He says, he says I was provoked with that generation, this generation, because for 40 years they saw my works, but they went astray in their hearts and they did not know my ways. And I feel like there's places for us where the Lord has delivered us. He's brought us out of Egypt. But then whenever we're facing trials, we're still like, oh, Lord, I'm going to die here in the wilderness. And it's a sign that we only know his works and not his ways. Because if you know who he is, then you know what he'll do. But if you just know what he did, then you don't necessarily know what he's going to do. And here's actually the Lord's response to this. He's so gracious and so, this is so wild. They're basically like, we're going to die here. Verse 13. And Moses said to the people, fear not. That's always a good word. Amen. Amen. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians Whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. That's a word. I'm going to read that again. Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. This is a word to some of us here today. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. and there's a crazy thing actually, this is a picture of baptism, which I love, which is why it came to mind, is you know they cross the Red Sea, which many will say is an image of baptism, right they come out of they come out of captivity to Egypt and now they cross through the waters and on the other side is the promised land. But you know what's crazy about the Red Sea is that that the same waters that they walked through that brought them deliverance, those same waters destroyed their enemies. Do we understand this? The same waters of baptism that bring you freedom and deliverance also destroy the enemy. That's, what, that's why baptism is so powerful. And I, I, don't just, I want to talk about this this morning because I think sometimes we like as we're talking about what we put our faith in, I feel like this is a huge thing, is like baptism, baptism is us going from death to life. It's truly us, like, it's Romans 6, which we might talk about in a little bit, because I love talking about Romans 6, It's like my favorite chapter in the Bible. Many of y'all know that. It's truly, it's us being delivered and being Saved Like we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus, but baptism is an act of us identifying with that salvation. It's us saying, here's what God did, and here's me responding to it and actually getting into like alignment with his salvation. Does that make sense? And that word salvation, by the way, yeah, this ties in. That's good. Thank you, Lord. He's so faithful. That word salvation is the word sozo, which many of us have, we know the word sozo. In Greek, it's technically sozo. There's like a D in there, but, you know, it's spelled S-O-Z-O, so we're Americans, we don't pronounce that. Sozo. It's the complete and total saving. It means to be saved, like, heart, mind, soul, spirit, like, completely. It means to be delivered. It means to be brought out of something and brought into something else and to be taken care of and like restored to fullness and this was the problem with the israelites was that they didn't get sozoed they experienced a physical deliverance and then in the red sea they experienced a physical salvation but their hearts were still evil does that make sense their hearts are evil, and even it continues. It's crazy. They get out of the Red Sea, and in the next chapter, they come to the place uh, Marba. The water is bitter, and the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And a little bit further on, it says, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died at the hand of the Lord in Egypt when we sat at the meat pots and ate bread to the full for you have brought us out here into this wilderness to kill us and the whole assembly with hunger. This seems really crazy until you realize that we do the same thing. Like, we can so easily point the finger at the Israelites and be like, the Lord just delivered you. What are you talking about? But we do the same thing. And, like, and honestly, this is part of the salvation, and I want to talk about what we put our faith in. I'm going to get there in a minute. I don't know. I just feel life on this. When I, I was in Mozambique for many years, worked with Iris Ministries, it was an incredible time. And Iris, one thing that they do is they rescue kids, and they, they bring orphans home. So there's a very real thing of people being rescued. So you can picture there's kids. Like, we have to picture this, because this is what the Lord did to us. He rescued us. So there, there are kids, even right now, all over the world, that are living in trash heaps. They live on stacks of trash, and every day they're rummaging through trash to find food. A lot of times these kids are orphans. They have no parents. They have no one to take care of them. So they're trying to find food, and they have to fight for everything that they have, and they're, they're literally living out in the elements. We can picture, like we, have to, like, we have to let this hit our hearts. Right now, it's like, what, 15 degrees outside? Imagine you right now are outside, like rummaging through trash, trying to feed yourself and trying to find life. You're full of diseases. You're injured. Like you are destitute. So there's people like this in Mozambique and they get saved out of that and Heidi will bring them into the house, give them food, give them a warm place. And a lot of them receive it well, but you know what some of them do? They run away and go back. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine someone gives you all of that, but we, but they go back? If we get saved physically, but not on a heart and spiritual and mental level, we'll go back to the very thing that we came from. It's why... Y'all can turn with me to Ephesians. The love of the Lord to us is so real. And it, it truly changes everything. And even as I say that, like the love of the Lord, it's like that phrase to some of us has like grown numb on our hearts but i'm going to read this in ephesians because the lord the lord rescued us from the trash heap he rescued us from the trash heap we were that kid we were that orphan this is ephesians 1 verse 3 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So every spiritual blessing, That's if we were to take this trash heap example, that's he took you into his house and he's given you everything you need. Every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places, verse four, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So before the world was even made, he already was like, I'm choosing you and I want you. That we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. So he, he adopted us literally to himself. And here's what it says. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which, which, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. I want us to understand this. His adoption for us, is according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace. What does that mean? It means when we recognize that we've been saved, our focus more than even what we've been saved out of or into, it should reveal to us the will of God. Does that make sense? It should reveal to us, oh my gosh, his will is to actually save us and to bring us into union with him to the praise of his grace. What does that mean? It means the only response that we should have to this is that we would we would literally praise his grace, his gift, the thing we could never earn or never deserve. Because that's what happens when orphans go back to orphanhood after they've been brought into a home. It's because they think they don't deserve it. And you know what? They don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But the thing is, rather than, rather than seeing... That in this example, Heidi is rescuing kids from the trash heap. They think, I don't deserve this. I should go back. When in reality, what they should be doing is looking at her and saying, the love that you have is bigger than me. So there must, like, you must know that you're loved because you're loving. And so for us, a lot of times we don't think that we deserve the salvation that the Lord is offering us. And I want to tell you, in a way, you don't deserve it. What you deserve is hell. That's why it's by grace. You could never earn it. You could never deserve it. Like <laughs> you, it's impossible. But it's given to us through grace. And this is what we need to put our faith to type back to faith, because I'm talking about faith. We have to put our faith not just in the fact that he saved us, but the why. It should reveal his will and his heart to us, which is incredible. Like, we should be overflowing and, like, intoxicated with the love of the Lord every day. If you're walking in faith and you're remembering what he did, like, see, it doesn't take faith to remember. The Israelites could remember that the Red Sea was split, but they still thought they were going to die in the wilderness. Remembrance is not equivalent with faith. It takes faith to remember why. It takes faith to remember, wait, okay, the Lord split the Red Sea and brought me out of Egypt, not just because he was mad at Egypt and whatever. He brought me out of Egypt because he loves me and cares for me and wants me to be with him. That's what takes faith. So as we look back and we see the salvation that we've experienced, it's not just I was this, now I'm this. It's why? Why? And I feel like this morning, the Lord is going to hit our hearts with the why. Are you all ready for that? Do you want that? Yeah. I don't care how much you know the love of the Lord or how much you even know the why. Like last night, man, I, sometimes I just get hit with the why. I just get hit with the love of the Lord, and I can't sleep, and I'm just up, and I'm like, Lord, this is amazing, but also it's 3 a.m., and I need to go to bed. That's a very real story. Happens often. <laughs> That's what's wrong with me. I'm serious. That's really what's wrong with me. What's wrong with me is this, is that no matter what I go through or what the enemy says, I know the why. Literally. like I, <laughs> Through faith, like I am unshakable. And I mean that. That's not about me. What I'm telling you is that I lived years of my life up until a few years ago, and I knew what the Lord did but not why he did it. And so every time I would face a problem or a challenge, I would get shaken, and I'd be like the Israelites. So I'm like, Lord, aren't you here and all this stuff. And what happened is I caught, I caught wind of the heart of the Lord towards me, and everything changed. And now I'm literally like, let's go. Like, I know him. I know him. And there's no Red Sea that he won't split. There's no Egypt that he won't drown in that same Red Sea. Like, I'm literally like, it's him. And, and that's the place, that's a place of faith. And it's radical faith, not in us. It's radical faith in him and who he is. Because again, you can remember what he did, but remembrance is not equivalent to faith. I'm sure the Israelites remembered the Red Sea was split. It's not like they forgot. They just didn't remember who did it and why he did it for them. So let us be those that remember. Amen. Amen. Um what I what I really want to talk about that was the intro. <laughs> not even the intro, that was just a side topic. Um I want to talk about the gift of righteousness and about having our faith in the gift of righteousness that the Lord's given us. So you can turn to Romans 5. This is a dangerous chapter. I mean, all this is dangerous, but it's so good. So man, I love the way the Lord ties things in cuz I wasn't even planning on saying all that and now we're talking about the free gift of righteousness. And the Lord is offering you today a free gift. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. There's no amount of work you could do to like achieve it. It's a gift. And let our hearts not be like the Israelites who want to go back to Egypt because we don't understand the heart of the one giving us the gift. If I'm going to be really blunt with you, he's giving you a gift, but it's not about you. (laughs) He's giving you this gift, but it's not about you. It's actually about him. The gift of righteousness, we're going to dive into this in just a second. The gift of righteousness allows us to be in right standing with the Lord so that we can live in communion with him. And you know who wants communion more than we do? He does. The gift of righteousness is something we put our faith in. It's something we receive through faith. And it actually brings us into communion and union with God. Yes, for our sake, because praise God, we need it. But it's actually for his sake. And when you understand that it's bigger than you, see, even in this this thing about the, the trash heap, if the orphan understood, and this sounds horrible, if the orphan's like, wait, this isn't about me. This is about love being expressed, then they would stay in the house. But if we make it about us, we look internally and say, I'm not worthy of this. And the truth is, we're really not worthy of it. And so then we disqualify ourselves from a free gift that's offered to us, and we walk out of the house. So as I talk today about this free gift of righteousness that we receive through faith, it's not about you. It's about him. Amen? (laughs) I don't know, is this... Is that stepping on toes? Maybe you're standing in the wrong place. Um, So, (laughs) I don't know. Some of y'all looking at me like, (laughs) Romans 5. Honestly, I want to read this entire chapter, but we don't have time to read the whole thing. Um, I'm just going to overview a little bit in the beginning. So Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What that's basically saying is like, you have been justified. You've been made right before the Lord by faith. Not by your works, but by believing him and what he's done. Again, it's the cross. It's believing that his cross was enough to transform you, not just from Egypt, the promised land, but also internally, which we'll talk about in a minute. So you've been justified by faith, and through him—this is verse 2. Man, I said I wasn't going to read the whole thing. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So by faith—I want to unpack this a little bit—by faith, by belief— we can tap into grace, which what is grace? Yes, all of those things. It's, it's what's undeserved, it's unmerited favor. Grace, is the, it's the power of God to transform you. And it's what you didn't earn, it's what you don't deserve. Like, I one time saw a picture of grace as like a bungee cord, Y'all, I mean, I'm a youth pastor, so it has to be simple, right? So it's like this. Grace is a bungee cord, and you connect it. The hook is faith. You connect it to your heart through faith, and it pulls you to the Lord. Does that make sense? Grace is the power to transform you into the image of Christ and to literally, like, pull you towards him. But through faith, you connect yourself to that grace. Does that make sense? This is important as we understand the gift of righteousness. Another analogy that, I don't know, I just want to use this. I think I've said this here before. But it's like, even in Romans 1, it talks about that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Picture a sailboat, and you can have the sail down. And some of us, if you're, if you're living your life by works, so which what that means is, you are trying to please God through what you're doing, And you're trying to be righteous by what you're doing. If you're going to earn righteousness, here's what it is. It's a sailboat on stormy waters and you have an oar. And you're just trying to oar your way across this sea. You're trying to cross the Atlantic Ocean with an oar in a sailboat. But the wind is blowing and the wind is the spirit of God, it's grace. And faith is your sail. You put, you, you put up your faith to catch the grace that carries you. And now what you were doing with an oar in your hand, and you're exhausted and worn out, now the grace of God is quite literally pushing you. The spirit is blowing, and it's literally pushing you. And your faith, you put the sail of your faith up, and all of a sudden your boat starts moving. And now the wind is for you. Does that make sense? And now your faith, this sail of faith, what it really becomes about now is staying in the faith. And having faith. No matter what you're going through, no matter how stormy the sea is, if there looks like there's rocks, here's what it is. It's trusting that if my sail is up, the wind will lead me where I need to go. Even if it doesn't look like where you think you should be going, right? It's like, Lord, there's a shortcut. So you get your ore back out. You're like <laughs> we do this. And then anytime, basically any time that in your Christian life you're tired and exhausted, you know that you're not living by faith. Honestly. Because then the way that it's designed, even Jesus says, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's faith. That's grace. So now, as one of those things that we receive by grace is a free gift of righteousness, and I I guess I'll just start in verse 16. Romans 5, 16. It says, And the free gift, this is talking about righteousness, is not like the result of that one man's sin. Who's that talking about? Adam. So right here, Paul's contrasting Adam and the fall of man in the garden and the gift that God is giving us through the cross. So he'll talk about the one man's sin, that's Adam. Time out the one man's righteous act, that's Jesus. Continue in verse 16. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. So what Adam did brought condemnation to all of us. But the free gift following Many trespasses brought justification. This is wild. The free gift following many trespasses. So, after many trespasses, the Lord's like, All right, you failed so many times, here's a free gift. You've tried so much and can't do it, here's a free gift. What you've worked your entire life for, I'm just going to give you. Verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. This is wild. Through Adam's sin, death reigned. Did y'all know that? Death reigned. The Lord was still reigning in the heavens, but in the natural, in the flesh, what was reigning? Death. Because the wages of sin is... And so through Adam's sinful act, death was enthroned on our hearts because sin was enthroned on our hearts. Does that make sense? Verse 17, I'm going to read that again. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness... Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Amen. What does this mean? We got it good. That's right. That's what that means. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace. Here, here's the opposite of the work of Adam on the cross, on the, in the garden is receiving an abundance of grace and a free gift called righteousness. That's the inverse of sin reigning through death. The inverse of that is that you receive what you didn't deserve. You receive a free gift that's called righteousness. And now you reign in life, not through death, in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. What does it mean to reign in life? What are you reigning over? Yeah, death, sin. So the key to walking in this is faith. Because we have to receive it. And you didn't deserve it. What you did was many trespasses. Like you <laughs> it's it's Ephesians two. That you were walking in the ways of the world but God. And again, to bring this back, this is The purpose of this gift, the fact that after many trespasses, he's offering us a gift of righteousness should provoke our hearts to, who is this God? Who is he? And the gift is a message. It always is, right? If you give someone a gift, if I'm like, I'm not a great gift giver. Who's a great gift giver is the churches. They're great gift givers. Aaron's also a great gift giver. But when they give a gift, it's super thoughtful. And it's like, it means something. And when you see it, this is so funny. Like, years ago, y'all gave Seth this little, like, pizza cutter that has this, like, monkey on a unicycle. It's, like, super random, really weird. But every time I open my drawer and I see it, I'm like, oh, the churches. I don't think pizza. Do you understand? The gift is a message. So in this gift, there's a message. When you see this, it should be, oh my gosh, he loves me. Oh my goodness, he gave me what I never could earn and never deserved. Who is this God? It's not, oh, righteousness. (laughs) <laughs> like, righteousness is the gift, not the point. Like, it is the point. You know what I mean? Like, we needed it, but I'm saying that he's the point. And in a lot of times, we can preach. So, like, in, in, in opposition to the orphan spirit, we can preach, well, you're righteous and you're all these things. And now we make us the point still. So, in a way to break down the orphan spirit, we still make it about us, which is still an orphan spirit. Because an orphan spirit is independent. It tries to live independent of everyone else. So if I'm, if I'm telling you it's still all about you, then you're still going to try to live in a self-sufficiency and independence. It's really about him, and it's about receiving what he has. Amen? Yeah. My goodness. We haven't even started. Oh. <sighs> Um, the free gift of righteousness is one of the, I believe it's one of the most important things that we can receive from the Lord. Like we, we get saved, we're brought into salvation. And as we're brought into that salvation, which again, we didn't earn and don't deserve, he gives us righteousness, which, which what this is, is this is what the Israelites didn't get. He brought them out of Egypt, but their hearts weren't changed. But you, he didn't just bring you out of sin. He actually made you right before him. He changed your nature and identity. And if you don't understand this, then you'll spend your Christian life trying to please him and be made right before him rather than living with him. And I've even, I mean, there's a testimony I heard a couple weeks ago of someone who got saved. And they said, and I mean, they're a new believer, so I'm, there's grace there. But they literally were like, now I will spend my life proving to the Lord, literally, that I was worth his cross. And I was like, mm. nope. That's not it. He spent his life proving to us that we were worth like, we weren't worth the cross, but he did it anyways. Like, we're the ones that killed him. If you think you're worth the cross, just remember that we're the ones that killed him. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Let that let that say law in your heart. Um, he changed you from the inside. And this is something we walk in by faith. And I want to spend a little bit of time and talk about this. Is that if you're living in the natural, you will not live from who you truly are in Christ. Because we receive it by faith and we walk in it by faith. It's just like Abraham in Romans 4. It talks about, um, verse 19, Romans 4, 19. It says, Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. Andrew hit on this last week, and I love it. Like Abraham gets a promise from the Lord that he and Sarah are going to have a child. They've been married for a very long time at this point, many, many, many years. They have no kids. And the Lord is like, also, this child is going to be the first of your, ch- your children, and you're going to have descendants as innumerable as the sand of the seashore and the stars in the sky, and he gives them this whole promise. And Ab- here's Abraham's response, verse 19. It says, he did not weaken in faith. When he considered his own body, see, Andrew talked last week about fake versus faith. Fake is this. Fake is I receive a promise from God that I'm going to have a child. So now I just say, okay, I believe that, and I like deny everything around me and just say like it's just going to happen. And there's like, Abraham actually considered. He said, okay, the Lord gave me a promise. I'm going to have a kid. He's like, I'm a hundred years old. I am as good as dead and he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb he considered it he didn't deny it he considered it he thought about it but then he remembered who his God was does that make sense and I've said this before if you, if you have to deny your circumstance to have faith then you've elevated your circumstance above faith true faith sees but sees beyond so Abraham saw his circumstance, but he knew the Lord. And a lot of times, especially in like our, there's like, you know, word of faith movement, which is, it's beautiful when we, when we declare the truth of God's word, but whenever we, whenever we take that and we, use, we deny what's happening around us, we're actually, we're basically like sheltering in and hiding from the world and declaring the, God's word versus standing on a mountaintop above it. Does that make sense? Your faith has to rise above what you see. So what I mean by that is you today may be walking in here and you're looking at your own life and you're saying, I'm as good as dead. You're saying, I'm stuck in sin. I'm stuck in bondage. I feel lonely. I feel isolated. I feel, all these things that you may be feeling, it's not wrong to consider them, but let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about him and what he's done. It's not wrong to consider them, but if you consider them outside of faith, then it causes unbelief. But here's what Abraham did. Verse 20, it says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced. Lord, let us be fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. This is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised up for our justification. So Paul's making this, he's making this, not distinction, he's making a parallel between just as Abraham saw in the flesh what was happening, but he believed God above it, so we, when we look at Jesus and believe him in what he's done, that faith will also be counted to us as righteousness. Does that make sense? Now, who? Romans 6, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that this grace may abound? By no means. I've taught on this many times before. I'll teach on this many times to come. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Did you know you're dead to sin? Did you know that the Lord hasn't discharged you to sin less? but he, you're actually dead to it. Here's, Paul asks this question, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Here's the answer. Here's the key. <laughs> Here's the key to living in sin as a Christian. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That's the key. The key to living in sin as a Christian and struggling with sin your whole life is to not understand that when you are baptized, you are baptized into his death. That's the key. So if you want to not live in sin as a Christian, understand that when you were baptized, again, When we believe, there's a baptism that happens in our heart, and we're baptized in the spirit, but there's also a physical, us actually aligning our bodies with the truth. When you were baptized, verse 3, I'm going to read it again, chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried Therefore, with him, by baptism, into death, in order that, just, here's the why, here's the why. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. He had to take you into his cross so he could bring you into his resurrection. So us in baptism, it's actually meant to be an anchor point of our faith. So when the enemy's lying to me, and when temptation is coming, and desires are being shown to me that truly aren't who I am, I can remember, wait a second, I've been baptized into Christ. That means everything sinful has been drowned, just as the Israelites. The water that brought me deliverance killed my enemies. It's an anchor point of our faith. Again, why though? It's so that then he can resurrect us with him and we can live with him in fellowship. That's the why. Let's keep going. Verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his... We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Just as surely as he died and was raised, if you're willing to die with him, you'll be raised. He didn't stay in the grave. You won't stay in the grave. But you know what did stay in the grave? Death and sin. (laughs) We know, verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. It does not say that you might sin less. It doesn't say in order that, you know, sin would have a little less power or grip over your life. So that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Here's a key. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. The one who has died has been set free from sin. This is what we put our faith in. This this is radical faith. As believers like this is our foundation point this is where we walk from this is like every day every day of my life and i mean i love romans so like this is my bible's like wearing out in romans every day we're supposed to live with this remembrance like this is the foundation point of our identity and again if we don't understand this, we actually won't receive what the Lord is giving us. Like, the, what, the gift of grace and righteousness that he's giving us, we won't receive because we're too busy looking at ourselves and realizing that we're not worthy of it. I'm telling you today, you're not worthy of it. He, made, he did what you could not do and now made you what you could never be. So stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to deserve it. See, I've, I've mentioned this before, and I love, Steve gives this analogy when he talks about heart of prophecy, is that, like, prophecy is like a power tool, and it's important how we use it, right? Like, he's like, you can use a drill to build something, or you could go haywire and start destroying this place. We need to use it in, in line with the Spirit. And in the same way, the gift of righteousness and the grace of God towards us, it's power, right? It's like the wind. To go back to the sailboat analogy, it's wind, and so if you are, if you're obsessed with what's here and where you're at, then you won't receive the wind. It's like plugging in. It's like, oh gosh, if you don't trust yourself with a power tool, you won't touch it. So now you're building a house by hand but the Lord's given you these tools and he wants to give you power because he trusts that his work on the cross was enough but we don't trust it a lot. So the power that he's trying to give us, we stay away from because we don't trust our own hearts because we don't know the truth. But he's saying, I've made you righteous. I'm giving you a gift of righteousness. Your sinfulness has died, and now you're resurrected with me, and now receive the power to walk in it. Does that make sense? You cannot do it yourself. You literally cannot do it yourself. And and. It's by faith. Oh, snap. It's by faith. It's not a walk of trying harder. It's by faith. And what happens when we get it by faith, because I want to touch on this as we wrap up. We're going to take communion in a second. What happens when we believe who he says he is and who he says we are is we begin to walk in it. We begin to walk in it because now it's not dependent on me. See, if, if my righteousness is dependent on me, then the enemy will come against me to try to negate my righteousness. Does that make sense? So then if I sin, now my righteous meter went down. But if my righteousness is based on him, then the enemy's attack is towards him and his righteousness. And my righteous meter is the same. So then the only thing the enemy can do to me is to tell me that this isn't true. And the only thing I can do is either believe it or not believe it. And when I start believing it, and when I am believing it, then I'm in communion with Him, and my life starts looking like it because the fruit, like it just, I'm abiding in the truth, and the truth bears fruit. And if I don't believe it, then there's no amount of work I can do to earn it, and my righteous meter stays at like zero. Does this make sense? This is like not really what I was planning on talking about, but I love it. Praise God. It's by faith. And faith is not something you have to muster up and try really hard to believe. Faith happens when you see him. It's when you see him and you know and are reminded of who he is. You can, you can have faith by looking back at what he's done, but remember who he is and what he's done. Because our faith is not just in his works, it's in his ways. His work on the cross is a great big, I love you. The gift of righteousness is a great big, I want you with me. Everything he's given us has a message in it. And I, I hope this morning, as we've unpacked this a little bit, that our hearts have connected with the message and his gift. And by faith, I want us to step into this by faith, even as we take communion, you can go in and get the elements out. to sozo you again that word sozo it means the total saving and it's used so many times in the scripture like a lot of even in Romans that word is used so much or soteria which is like a a part of it's a way to say it what that means is this if we go back to the analogy of the trash heap Jesus did not just take you out of the trash heap and put you in his house and now tell you to get it together. He takes you out of the trash heap. He brings you home. He's offering you food. He's offering you all the medical supplies that you need for all the diseases that you have. He's offering you nurture. He's offering you an education. He's teaching you relationships. He's invited you into a family. Like he is fully committed to you being whole. That's sanctification. And we're sanctified also through faith. And so this morning, I wanna tell you that our journey as Christians is a journey of faith. And, and if you this morning have felt this tension between walking in your own strength and walking in faith and trusting what the Lord has done, I pray that as we take this, that you have a release to fully trust the power of the cross. Because he believes that what he did was enough. Or else he wouldn't have done it. He believes his cross was enough to sozo you. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? And before we receive communion this morning, I want to take a second and to actually address that. If there's any place in your heart where you have realized there's unbelief in the Lord's ability to sozo you, to save you, and I want us to repent and submit it to the Lord. Because as we take this meal this morning, we're receiving the complete and total salvation of the Lord. So I'm just gonna give you a couple seconds and search your heart and consider as Abraham considered, consider if there's any area where you've been walking in the flesh we submit those things to the cross of Christ. So Lord, we thank you that in your body, <laughs> Lord, all of our transgressions were crucified to that cross. Lord, that in your body all of our sinfulness was nailed to the cross and it was buried in the grave. And Lord, Lord, anything in our bodies that looks sinful that's a result of the fall of man, Lord, we we let it right now be nailed to the cross. We submit it to the cross of Christ. And Lord, we take this bread this morning not just to remember what you did but to remember why you did it. Lord, we remember your great love with which you loved us, that you've adopted us. Lord, that you've taken us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Lord, as we take this bread, would you let it hit our hearts afresh? In Jesus' name, let's take this and eat. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was spilled out Wow, Lord, that you cleansed us from the inside out. From the inside out, Lord. We put our faith in what you've done. Lord, you've given us this amazing gift. So Lord, as we receive your blood this morning, we receive a cleansed conscience as Hebrews 10 says. We receive a cleansed conscience of every dead work that we may serve you, the living God. And Lord, we receive your righteousness. In Jesus' name, let's receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I ask this morning that you would build our faith that you, the author of faith, would begin to author afresh faith in our hearts. And Lord, that you, the perfecter of our faith, would continue to perfect us into your image. Lord, that you would construct our faith this morning. And Lord, I pray that even as we've had a picture of who you are towards us, Lord, that our faith would be built, our faith would be solidified, as we've seen you and as we've seen who you are. Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. (laughs) We thank you for your love for us.